so we are after the Manishtana. Manishtana Laila Azemikol Halelot, one of the most famous parts of the Haggadah, the children read, where they're supposed to ask, what, how is this night different than all nights? So this was, we have to think about it, like I mentioned yesterday. It's a template that the Chachamim created, the rabbis created for Sipur Yitzhia Mitzrayim, for telling the story that a person leading the Haggadah should try to inspire questions from those who are at the Seder. The best way to allow um, learning to happen and for education to happen is through inspiring questions, through doing things that someone will ask what's going on. Nowadays, it, you know, especially if the, if, the Jews, if the children go to Jewish schools, it's a little bit different. They're preparing them for the Seder and they're telling them everything that's coming. But this is almost like innocently happening that in, in the home, suddenly a child sees that everything is different and uh, the table looks different and he's asking all of these questions. The, the child is naturally asking these questions. Why is this night different than all other nights? And the father is supposed to answer, the grandfather is supposed to answer. Those who are at the table are supposed to give answers to these questions. Tonight is a different night because tonight we are commemorating uh, the miracles that Hashem did for our forefathers. Those are going to be the answers. So, Manishan, in the Haggadah, in the template of the Haggadah, the child points out four differences that he sees between the two nights. Uh, and uh, so there's different orders, by the way. There's two different orders to how the to what the questions are. Uh, they're all the same questions, but there's two orders. Uh, you know, in the song that we all learn in school, it says, You start with the chametz and the and the matzah. In most of the Sephardic Agador, it starts with matbilin afilu Both orders are okay. It's not either, uh, each one is. Uh, it's fine to do. But in, I'm using a Sephardic edition right now, so it says, On most nights, we don't normally uh, dip uh, food inside, but it's interesting because nowadays, for most of the year, we do use dips. <laughs> but in those times, I guess it wasn't customary to have so many dips at the table. But on this night, we're going out of our way to dip, uh, to dip in the in the vinegar and to dip in the charoset. So on on all nights of the year, we'll eat any type of bread, whether it's chametzu matzah Tonight, what happened to the bread? We're only having matzah at the table. on all nights of the year, we will eat all types of vegetables. And tonight you choose the bitter herbs to bring to the table. 
שבכל הלילות אנו הולכים ושותים בין נוסעים ובין מסובים. On most nights of the year we eat in whatever position we're comfortable. והלילה הזה כולנו מסובים. And now tonight כולנו מסובים. We're all leaning whenever we eat. So how and why is tonight different than all other nights? And the father has to answer these questions. So there's, um, I saw in, uh, in Ravavadia's Haggadah, he has a very acute, like, uh, acute joke that he says in, in, a, in a cute way that the, the father starts off by showing the child, this is the bread that we ate, this is how we started. This is the bread that we ate in the land of Egypt, and we invite guests. Call anybody who's hungry, come and eat. Anybody who wants, our doors are open, come and celebrate the Pesach. The child says back to the father, Why is tonight different than all nights, than all the other nights? Since when do we invite guests? We don't, we don't invite guests to our home. Suddenly tonight, you decided that we're opening our door. You never open your doors during, uh, during the year. Suddenly tonight, for the night of Pesach, you decided to open your doors and to invite guests. So the father answers, the next line, Abadim hainu lecharo b'mitzrayim. No, we were servants to Paro and Mitzrayim, which means I learned from Paro. Paro would just say things and would never fulfill them. He would keep on saying to Moshe, I'm going to send the Jews, I'm going to send the Jews, and he would never actually do it. So I learned from Paro. We're just saying that we're inviting guests. And we're not actually inviting guests. We're not, we're not actually opening our doors. I learned from Paro. <laughs> so the lesson is, it's a very important lesson, right? When we make a commitment and we want to do something that's right, and we want to do something that's good, it's not just to say it. Uh, we should actually try to fulfill it. The ideals that the Torah gives us of how to be a good Jew, we should actually be trying to implement it. We sh- I mean, we should be implementing it in practice, not uh, <laughs> not just paying lip service to it. But, uh, we, we're inviting guests, whoever's hungry, come and eat. Uh, we're just saying it, we're just saying it. We don't actually mean it. So, so, what are the answers to these two questions? So, the Gemara says, the Talmud says that there there is a method to the, how we have to um, how we have to tell over the story. And the method must be with the formula of Matchil Bignut Umsayim Beshevach. We have to start with our low points. We have to start with the bad, with the negative, with, with the low point essentially that we were as a nation. Umsayim Beshevach. And we have to end in the high points. We have to end with the good and we have to end with the praise. This is how the story has to be structured. It has to start with where were the... We have to tell everybody about this. We have to tell our entire nation about this, where we were, the low points that our nation were, and what God did for us and what Hashem did to us to make, to make us a nation. Now, in the Gemara, when we read the Talmud, the Gemara tells us there's two opinions of how to do this. It's too bad. How, how do I start with the low and end with the high? <coughs> so it's a machloket between Rav and Shmuel. Rav and Shmuel one said that Avadim Hainu Lefaro Mitzrayim. One said that you have to start by talking about the physical slavery uh, in Egypt. You have to say that we were actually slaves, as we're going to talk about. We were an oppressed nation. We were physically oppressed. Uh, by Pharaoh. The other one said that, no, you have to start with mitchilah of the Avodazarayahotin. You have to say that our forefathers were <laughs> idol worshippers. The low point of our history 
was not a physical slavery and was not a physical, you know, socio-economic being at the bottom of the totem pole in society. No, the, the hardship. The, that it's was not the hardship. That was not the hardship, and that was that was not the low point for our nation. The idol worship. The yeah, the low point of our nation was that we originally came from idol worshippers. Who are the idol worshippers? Terach Avi Abraham. Terach, the father of Abraham, of Abraham Avinu. Right? That was the spiritual low points of our nation. The, the, the moral decay of idol worship. We actually were part of that. We actually came from that at one point. But Hashem uh, showed us the light. Hashem uh, helped our forefathers find the light. Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov found Hashem. And uh, as the Jews went to Egypt, Hashem saved us. He preserved us as a nation while we were in Egypt. And then when we came out of Egypt, Hashem gave us the Torah. So it's fascinating because the Talmud, the Gemara, tells us that they're, they're both true. Neither one is wrong. We actually, we fulfilled both of them in the Haggadah. We fulfilled both opinions in the Haggadah. We don't choose one over the, over the other because both are true. There was the, a physical slavery. There was a physical... Uh, hardship, and that was a low point and a difficult And Hashem said He made, gave us freedom. We're we're a free people. And but at the same time, m- moral decay, moral decay, spiritual is, is a spiritual slavery as well. Ethical and moral decay. Not having a God for a person to live a godless life without without Hashem. That essentially you have a million gods. When you have a million gods. Essentially, who's who's the god? If you have uh, three thousand gods or five thousand gods, and you go to each one whenever you want for whichever thing you want, essentially God is you. Essentially, God God becomes mankind. Right? It becomes a cover-up for God to be a person, and it's it's either you who's choosing what to worship when, or the the king of that society who is also the Kohen Gadol, who's also the high priest, and is deciding what these idols think and feel and which one uh, wins in battle or over or, or the other one uh, in the other day. So God, so mankind actually becomes Hashem when there are many gods in the world. So because of that, that's a spiritual slavery. It's a moral decay and that's an ethical and that's slavery also. That's slavery. That's a low point uh, for humanity. Humanity cannot ever progress in that mindset. And Hashem gave us freedom. And Hashem gave us freedom from that. Really? There's one God who is the Almighty, who is the omnipotent, omniscient, knows everything that goes on in the world, created us. And to be a good nation, and a moral nation, and a good people, and a light onto the nations, we have to have Hashem in our lives. We have to be loyal to Hashem. That, that is the path of the just and the path of goodness. So we start with the first one. It's also inspired. I mean, like we said before, it's a matter of just inspiring and we're always yeah, young children as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. But it's it's teaching the children that also without Hashem, you're a slave in this world. Uh, the, this is the the truth in the, in its in its core essence. Without without sugarcoating it in any way, if a person doesn't have God in their life, if I if I'm not a servant to God. If I'm not loyal to Hashem, to the one God Almighty, I'm a slave to something else. Ultimately, you're a slave to somebody or something else. You're a spiritual slave. 
do we have to get started? Oh, we have two minutes. So let's read a little bit. So the Rambam says, uh, very nice, you have to be careful how you phrase this and how you say it, because there was a time period that, they, that we did have slaves, everybody had slaves in their homes. The Jews, we have laws in the Torah about how you have to treat a slave in a kind way and in a nice way. The, but the Rambam says that this idea, you have to make it as real as possible to everybody at the Seder for people to understand. So if the child does not understand, a young child doesn't understand, what do you mean that we were slaves? What, what's a slave? So the Rambam says, you, could, you turn to the Kargar and you say, Just like this, this person working for us right here, that, that's what we were. That's exactly what we were. We're struggling, working uh, barely. I don't know if we can do that today. Yeah, we can. No, obviously we can't do that today. It's a lesson, <laughs> a lesson in humility. <laughs> yeah. For children. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it, but the, the lesson there, my mom says that you have to try to make it as real as possible for the children. And sometimes that means that you, you, they, for a lot of children, they have to have some kind of physical image uh, in front of them to see. Uh, exactly what it looked like, exactly what it was, exactly what it felt like, what the experience was. And, and, and that's why nowadays sometimes what's very helpful is if you dress up at the center and you act it out and you, and you pretend it. Or you have physical images. When, when you make the ten plagues and you want to show what the ten plagues were, you bring something that looks like the, the ten plagues in order to, to make something real that people can see in front of their eyes of what it might have been and what it might have looked like as opposed to speaking about it in theory which again if you have like we're going to talk about soon you're, you have the five rabbis of Bnei Brak who are sitting and making this seder you can speak in theory and everybody is going to be able to imagine it and be part of it and, and learn it in a deep level well, when there's children at the table or certain or whoever might be at the table to have a more of a live experience that they can connect to and associate makes the seder relevant for them to appreciate and the bala seder and the leader of the seder has to be aware of all of this when they make the seder okay. so, thank you we wish everybody shabbat shalom and we're going to continue with the haggadah on monday okay.